It's finale time, Aki. Hello. It's a sad day here at Set Phasers. It's finale time, alas. It's finale time. It's a finale time. We'll have a good time. It's finale time again. You're going to leave me, right? No? Yeah? Maybe? (laughs) Oh, is it a little blues number? I don't know. I thought it might be a little twang. But of course, it was a a bombastic finale. Bombastic? Mm. Bombastic. Semi-fantastic. Mr. Ro- Romantic. I don't remember anything else in that song. Romantic. Anyway, it's that. Yeah. Here comes the hot stepper of episode 10. So, gosh, I had a feeling this might end on a cliffhanger. And you did. You got you you nailed that. They really cliff hung us. They time. hung us <laughs> off a cliff out to dry all Ugh. of the ways that one can be hung. Yeah, I guess. So. Ooh, I'm gonna. We're gonna stop there with that let's, metaphor. Let's stop that and start the show. Let's start the show. <laughs> Set phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. <laughs> into the program ladies and gentlemen we are talking about episode 10 of season 2 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds season finale entitled Hegemony what does that mean? I didn't google it Hegemony, Hegemony uh, it's like the it's it's a, a rule by not quite it's not quite a, a do you know? tyranny okay you do know I do, I do I don't know exactly how to describe it Hegemony of something is like sovereignty plus. I don't know what you would call it. Should we Google it? Let's Google it. It implies not good. If you, if you want to know, you can Google that. And our survey says leadership or dominance, especially by one country or social group over others. Aha. So it's like what the Gorn are doing. But today's start date is started 4210081.1. And we're talking about this. The show is called Hegemony or Hegemony. I don't know. Do you still have that page up? How you pronounce it? It says, well, I can't bloody read this. Hegemony. <laughs> it's really hard. You sounded like it's got like it does Gump just now. Because it's got like backwards E's and upside down E's. I don't know what the hell that means. Hegemony. Does it have a pl- Oh, wait. Hegemony. There we go. Hegemony. 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 This is what Google says. Hegemony. Yeah. Hegemony. So Hegemony. It's just a relaxed voice. Uh-oh. Hegemony. It looks like we're under a hegemony <laughs> of cannibalistic <laughs> monsters. I know. I don't really know how you use that in a sentence. I will affect to use it multiple times. Oh, today. here we go. Germany was under United Prussian hegemony after 1871. Hmm. Maybe you should work for Dictionary.com or Merriam-Webster or wherever you got that. 
But I shall not be doing that, much as you might want to hear me as the voice of your Google Maps. Oh, I want you to do that? This is a stand you're taking? I don't. I just don't trust it. I just don't know where it would go. People could make me say anything. That's true. But that's true. We have a podcast. I mean, listen, epic dropper of curse words, you. Yeah. And often with a real, you really deliver on a cuss. Fuck! You don't, you don't hold back. No. I remember one time you said tits. I can't remember why. <laughs> and it stays with me. Uh, it was Tits McGee, wasn't it? I can't remember, but the way you said tits, it's like <laughs> it'll be with me on my last day alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that was a nice little digression. Oh, yeah, let's run it down. Mm. <laughs> it's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? I will say we are a delight of a duo. We are a delight of a duo. Yeah. I enjoy listening back. And I can curse too. I know how to say tits. I can say it. I just can't say it the way you said it. It sounds cool when you say tits. Tits. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to feel about what you just said. (laughs) Where am I? Oh, yes. So, Nurse Chapel. Remember the episode? This set phase was everybody. A highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Nurse Chapel's on the Cayuga because she's headed to her fellowship with Dr. Corber. Corber? I'm not going to Google it. Corby, that's what it is. And they're on this planet called Parnassus Beta, which is like a colony just outside of the Federation that chooses to live as humans did in the, like, 50s or something. Very, uh, very small town madmen vibes before microchips, basically. And they're doing stuff, the Federation's there doing stuff like giving them vaccinations and helping them with food and basically helping them with their hard lives, which is very strange that they'd be like, we choose to live this quasi-agrarian, early industrial 20th century lifestyle, but we do love it when a starship beams in with supplies. Why would you do that? Outside of Federation space, you weirdos. And so the Kyuga has Captain Patel at the helm. Chapel and Patel talk for a bit, and then Chapel goes back to the ship because she's got a pack to go ahead and meet Corby. Pike calls Patel on her cell, I like to think. <laughs> FaceTimes her. I thought it was an iPad. Yeah, whatever, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> 60 years ago, 50, 20, 80 years ago, 80 years ago in Star Trek? Aired? 60. That can't be right. Almost no, 69. It was 69. 60, 62. 62? 65, right? Okay. 62. Oh, wait, no, oh, no, 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 no. I did 55. that math all right. Almost 60 years ago. Yeah. When Star Trek first aired, people's faces being on things seemed insane. And now it's completely regular. And so it's a weird context to see like Pike call Battelle and they're like FaceTiming. Even the way she was, like, walking around the planet, like, hey, oh, hey. And he's like, hey, I miss you. And so, anyway, I enjoyed it. Their signal's jacked up, and then they lose the signal mid-call. And Pike, looking at his Wayfinder, tries to figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, on Parnassus Beta, Patel learns that all the comms are out. And then a shuttle careens through the atmosphere, a Starfleet shuttle of some sort, and crashes. And then as they try to deal with that, they see a huge vessel pulling down into the atmosphere. Pike goes to the bridge. The Enterprise gets an emergency transmission from the Cayuga. Hey, guess what? They're under Gorn attack. Finally, this whole episode. Gorn! 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 This whole season, we've been wondering when the Gorn were going to attack. It was... The Gorn attack was the... What do you call it? The Chekhov's gun of season two of Strange New Worlds. For those of you who've had a classical education in the theater. 
Pike goes to talk to April. Technically, Parnassus Beta is outside of the Federation's jurisdiction, so don't cause a war. He cautions, caution. Pike says, sure, I got that under control. Yellow alert, let's go. They head out to Parnassus Beta. They arrive, whole lot of space debris, and the Cayuga is fairly well destroyed, except for a big chunk of the saucer section, but the, it's jacked up. There's a counter frequency that the Gorn are emitting that is making all frequencies not work. So they can't use comms. They also can't transport people. Alon says it's a weapon the Gorn have to render their enemies blind. And there's an incoming warp signature. We get a red alert. Red alert. Beautiful, beautiful. I suspect both of us have a quotable moment from Una about red alerts. It's probably my favorite, one of my favorite lines of the episode. Indeed. So, red alert, it's a Gorn hunter ship. They get secure comms from Starfleet. They've received a message from the Gorn. Starfleet HQ has. It's an image of a demarcation line in space, and it shows the planet, the colony, on one side of the demarcation with the Gorn and Enterprise on the other side. And so they're told to respect that demarcation line, lest they cause a war. Pike calls a meeting of the command crew in the ready room. He believes the Cayuga people are on the Gorn side of the line down on the colony, but he doesn't plan on leaving those people behind. He's not going to order anyone to break orders, but he takes volunteers. Basically, everybody volunteers. Sam Kirk shows up and says he wants to go because he was freaked out when they he was in the landing party when they met that one Gorn on that crazy planet where Hammer died. And he wants to go back to redeem himself, essentially. Pikes has Spock, Uhura and Una stay behind to keep things level and the rest are going to head down to the planet. La'an does say that normal phasers may not work. And Pike says, oh, good thing I have this fancy thing that's called a Gorn protocol box, which he has beamed directly to the ready room. It's got nitrogen grenades. It's got phase rifles. It's got regular phasers that are black and sleek that are made to do some damage on the Gorn. Meanwhile, there's no way to get to the surface without the Gorn knowing because that colony is on the Gorn side of the line. However, Erica Ortegas points out that the Gorn are not shooting at the debris and there's debris all over the place and they could plot a way down, like cover the ship, make it look like debris and then fall into the atmosphere and they wouldn't be attacked. Erica is going to have to pilot that if she's going to do so. They managed to do it. Hora mentions that it's like an old zombie movie trick, which Spock doesn't know anything about zombie movies. But yeah, you pretend to be a zombie so you can walk amongst them. Crazy piloting maneuver with the big fall down into the atmosphere. Drop, 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 drop. Then cut on the engines at the last minute. Spock, meanwhile, is looking for a gap in the Gorn shield and trying to see if there are any life signs on the Cayuga because he knows that's where Chapel is. And the last time they spoke was the breakup song in the in the crew hangout space. And he never got to say they had an argument. Anyway, when they are using like line of sight targeted scans to try and see these things, they see that sickbay is gone from the Cayuga, got blown right out. Meanwhile, on the planet, the away team sees the weird green beacon on the planet, which they surmise might be the source of the interference field. There are no baddies nearby. They go out and look at the lay of this downtown area of the colony. It looks like Starfleet tried to make a stand. There's all this rubble and bodies and stuff like that. Then a Gorn youngling approaches and they manage to kill it with their Gorn weapon. It looks hungry, like it had no food and they wonder what's going on and there's more bogeys coming dozens but they're all younglings they take cover in a barber shop and on notes this is weird behavior they should be fighting for dominance not all gathering together it's a strange 
thing that's happening. Uhura goes to find Pelia to ask for her help because she has a crazy idea that she just might think works. And Pike wonders, meanwhile, on the planet, if these younglings are acting different. Perhaps this means that there's different kinds of behavior, means they can communicate. He's ever the optimist. Sam manages to find some weird anomalous human signal coming from down the street. And the Gorn younglings have moved on. So they go to down the street. They find a, a weird box that's making the noise. They pick it up and a force field drops. And that's where we finally meet Montgomery Scott. Uh, we don't have a drop for that. I don't know what it would be. Do you have, do you have something in mind? <laughs> I cannot do it, Captain, is what I'll say. Oh, God. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome. So this is Montgomery Scott. He came from a solar research vessel that was one system over. They were caught, surprised by the Gorn. He managed to jury rig a shuttle and hide in plain sight, his words, uh, in order to, to bug out of there. And he takes them to the other Cayuga and colony survivors who are hanging out in a diner. Ooh. Battelle is there. Pike and Battelle have a little reunion. Battelle chastises Pike for coming in and trying to save them. Pike and Battelle sit down and ask Scott how he did what he did. Scott explains while using crayons on a table that he thinks the flares that they were observing, these CME flares that were coming out of the sun, might have tr- brought, like, drawn the Gorn to them. And we remember from the last episode, from the last Gorn episode, that Lan showed them that the Gorn communicates ship to ship with light. So perhaps Sam reasons, as the Xeno anthropologist, Xeno biologist, Xeno anthropologist, Xeno something, that the there is something in the particular light of the CME emissions that causes the Gorn to start a consumption cycle. Then they're like, how did Scott hide in plain sight? And he basically is like, I built a clone Gorn transponder out of canalized parts of our light thing. And Pike is like, this is critical intel, all of this. So Ortegas goes to help Mbanga. They worry about whether Chapel is alive. And thus far, we haven't seen Chapel since she beamed up on the ship. There are more incoming warp signatures, more Gorn hunters, more Gorn hunters heading. They're all staying on their side of the line. Pelia and Uhura show up to explain uh, on the bridge what their plan is. They say there is a way to destroy the that tower. Uh, it's on the far side of the planet. It's not native to the planet. It must be a machine the Gorn bought. Uh, they think they can use space debris to crash into the structure, specifically the remainder of the Cayuga saucer section. They would have to place some retro rockets on it to make it seem like it was just having a decaying orbit and then have it crash directly into the green tower. Spock is the only one who can pull it off. He is not yet given into grief, and he is going to go do it. Meanwhile, the survivors are sleeping in the bombed-out diner on the colony. Pike wakes. Battelle sees that he's going out. He's going to try to find Scott's shuttle. Scotty wakes up and says, yeah, you're not going to be able to figure out how the shuttle works without me. So they all go, the three of them, to go find Scotty's shuttle, taking the back streets and hoping not to run into any Gorn. The saucer section of the Cayuga, Spock does his Superman thing to get there. But we also see inside Chapel is still alive. Very unlikely, she is the only person, it seems, alive still on the saucer section. She awakes. She does something to get some backup power to life support. 
She sees the Enterprise through the window, tries to send an SOS with a flashlight that is on the fritz. A torch, for those of you living in uh, the UK. Spock is free diving, as I like to say, with the retro boosters. He's on there putting retro boosters on the Cayuga. And Christine actually sees him out the window, but he doesn't hear her see her because it's space. So she goes for her space suit. Meanwhile, Pike, Patel, and Scott reach the crash shuttle. They run into a youngling that faces off with Patel, but then doesn't attack her and runs away. Pike is a little concerned about this. Patel says not to worry about it. Christine, while trying to find a way out of the Cayuga in her suit, runs into a Gorn messing about, basically trying to hack into the shuttle. doesn't have the command code. She has to figure out what to do. She sees a cold airlock. She tries to figure out what's going on. The saucer section starts to move. As Spock has placed all the things that he needs, but he just as he finishes, he is crept upon by the Gorn. The tail, the segmented tail, swoops down. And then as he's being fought, he turns around, he sees Christine. A slow-motion zero-G battle begins. Spock gets the phaser knocked out of his hand. Then he's fighting with wraps its tail around his neck. Ugh! Christine sees what's going on. She runs and tries to grab the phaser. She catches it. She hooks her thing on a railing, turns around, shoots, pew! Hits the pshaw! Oh, but you haven't killed me yet! I'm still alive. But Spock uses the Gorn's distraction to... Yes, Pew, thank you. Spock uses the Gorn's distraction to grab a bit of railing, a jagged shard of metal, and stab it into the Gorn's faceplate, causing it to be exposed to atmosphere and die. And then... And then Spock and the chapel exit through a hole in the ship. As the ship careens down towards the Earth, they hold hands and watch things maybe get better. We'll see. Pike, meanwhile, confronts Marie about her, Marie Battelle, that's her name, Marie, about the Gorn not attacking her, and she reveals that she's been infected with Gorn eggs, as we saw in the other episode, and she has about 48 hours before they hatch, and that's why she wasn't attacked. And she's, like, gonna do a suicide mission, and Pike's like, you don't have to do that, we can find a better way. And she's like, I don't think so, and he's like, we've got to! With his beautiful hair, the saucer section does enter the atmosphere, does fly down into the green tower, blows everything up. Transporters and comms come back on. Pike gives Una the location of the colonists, says to beat them up, asks for three to go straight to sickbay, have Pilia meet them there. Spock uh, attempts to apologize to Christine as they beam back aboard. Christine says there will be time later, which makes me feel like there won't be time later somehow. Battelle, meanwhile, is introduced to Chapel, and Pike says get her sedated and figure out what's going on and also put her in in a force field and Battelle says if, if there's any sign that things are not working and that this little Gorn are going to pop out of my body she says take me out and Chapel's like no problem Scott is reintroduced to Pelia who was one of his teachers at the academy he says one of her best students who got some of the worst grades and he wants them to work together on Scott's thing that allows them to change their transponder to that of the Gorn so they can hide from the Gorn four more Gorn ships show up in the area more are coming Pike wants to send that critical information back to Starfleet headquarters. However, while they're doing that, the colonists and landing parties that were beamed up were only part of who were there, because there were 5,000 people down on the planet. There is a residual transporter business down there, and it seems that the colonists and the landing party were beamed up by the Gorn. The Gorn begin their attack on the Enterprise. Admiral April orders an immediate withdrawal of the Enterprise. Una asks for orders, and so, yeah... That's the end. I guess there'll be a season three. Were you just leaving me hanging? Because that's what the episode did. I was trying to do a cliffhanger. Yeah, I was trying to do my own cliffhanger. Yeah, that's so here endeth episode 10 of season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds Hegemony. Let's chat about that. I say, darling. 
Let's do a quick chat about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. let's, yeah. let's do. I thought this episode was going to be all action-packed and pew-pew, but this was just setting up, I think, season three, episode one's action-packed pew-pew explosion. Yeah. Because they got to go save everybody, right? They're gonna Are they going to go onto a Gorn ship away team, blast the way in, save the colonists, and get out? I guess. For all of the action that you could have seen, they showed relatively little but I think it's because they didn't want to do too many like special effects that were fake because mm, the Gorn yeah. were real were not CGI'd to the nth degree there was a little CGI yeah. in there obviously but they were, they were what do you call it prosthetic creature things prosthetic creature things prosthetic creature things I also felt like either this episode is going to erupt into chaos or we're going to get some sort of cliffhanger I was thought maybe they are going to be lost out on the planet or something so it's cool they all got back to the ship and everyone's together except all the colonists and uh some of the away team right because sam might still be with the colonists yeah and lan mm-hmm. who else oh and umbenga so you got sam lan and umbenga Ara- on the erica. Gorn vessel and on oh, erica no who's gonna fly the ship she's erica ortega and she flies the ship she flies the ship yeah i'm erica ortega i fly the ship I have to ask the most... Maybe this is... I, I don't know how we've gotten around this question right. The Gorn. Yes. Big lizards. How have they developed space technology? I'm sure that there is a degree of intelligence. But yeah. to me, it's only like dinosaur level intelligence, like raptors. They're giving me raptor vibes. So they can communicate raptor with vibes. each other. They can hunt, all of that stuff. But I, I'm not seeing them at the level of space exploration. So I'm not clear how, with their limited appendages, they have created space Space. exploration stuff. Because they're so hungry. They figured it out. No, I I honestly don't know. It feels like they're trapped by canon, right? Because the original Gorn was a dude in a dinosaur suit. Yes. (laughs) It's like, all right, we can't do that, because that'll look terrible. Do you remember I I superimposed that Gorn onto one of your album covers? Yes, I certainly do. That was one of my favorite things. <laughs> it was a great thing that very few people got, but the people who got it all yeah, the way, they, they were did. very excited about the Gorn. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you put it on the obviously cover. I liked it. And also that cover of that record has a bit of a Gorn planet vibe to it. So really Which was it. why it was okay, good. Okay. All right. I'm just appreciating it from all levels. I just wish like you guys had done it. Listen, it's an uphill battle. You can only lead horses to water. You can't make them drink. You know what I mean? I mentioned I mentioned Star Trek every day. Okay? On the bus, I mention it every day. They know who I am. Yes, they know oh, who you are. That's yeah. so nice. But that doesn't mean that they're like, great, let's do a Star Trek themed album cover. But there. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All I right. hold out hope. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, so that makes sense. That maybe they didn't want to spend so much on on Gorn stuff, but also I think maybe they don't quite know how they want to do full adult Gorn. Like this was the first adult adult Gorn we ever saw. Yes, we would only seen and, them pull people into dark corners to be eaten. That's right. So I'm curious how that will manifest when they're on. If they're going onto the Gorn ships, it's gonna we're gonna see how these Gorn develop spaceflight. And I think they have four fingers, but one is opposable. Mm. Like a thumb kind of deal. That's what it looked like when the big Gorn was messing with the pad. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yes, Spock and Chapel back together, but unresolved. And the there'll be time later thing makes me feel like there simply will not be time later. Battelle. Will Battelle erupt into tiny Gorn destroy and then have tiny Gorns on the Enterprise, which would be disastrous? I hope not. 
I want them to save Battelle. I love this burgeoning yeah. relationship with her and Pike. Yes, Pike is finally opening up. He said he missed her. Mm. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful in it. That's about it. It's a cool episode. It's great and also sucks that it ended on a cliffhanger. My favorite thing <laughs> was the first, because this is important. Okay. This is important for Star Trek. This is history being made. It, it was the first Scottish actor to play Montgomery Scott. Very important, yes. The first authentic Scottish accent to be uttered from the character of Montgomery Scott. Indeed. And I thought a great Scott casting, too. Very amiable and very Scott-like. They really did a good job. It was unexpected, I, for me, anyway. I don't know if you had advance warning. I didn't know Scott was going to show up. I had no idea. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, that's him. That's yeah. Scotty. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, I wrote, is this Scotty? And then I wrote, yes, this is Scotty. It was great. And he's brilliant the way Scott should be. And I love the tie-in with Pelia. It's like they threw a football from nine episodes ago to be like, Pelia taught everyone at the Academy. And so, boom, here's one of her best students, Scott. Uh, She's had some good yeah. students who were, who didn't grade that well, including Chin Riley. Una? Yeah. She was teaching mostly engines, but it's weird that her uh, that an engineer like Scotty would have done poorly in her class. But she calls him a best student. Maybe she seems like she might grade somewhat idiosyncratically, don't you think? <laughs> I fair. I just yeah. mi- I wonder perhaps if he was. Oh, I don't know. What was it about him? Was he a bit of a clown in class? Did he just not follow the assignment and create better things? Not really yeah. sure. That would be my imagination for Scotty, right? That he. He kept improving on things in perhaps disastrous ways, like maybe too much, and therefore got a lot of C's. Maybe. We shall find it, out. Well, I hope. It does seem uh, indicative that uh, if you do poorly in Pelia's class, you're, you're going to do great things in Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Pelia. She's great. Her, uh, she had some great moments in this episode. But oh, do you have Beba Deba Deba? Oh, hundreds of them. Hello, and welcome back to Zed Phasers. We go immediately now to the Easter egg desk with Stevie Man. Stevie, how are you today? Well, hi there, Ruggie. I am well. What a plethora of Easter eggs we have for you today. We had kind of two Trek tropes. We had, we're saving a planet, and we had colonizers who decided to colonize a planet in the style of a Western movie. That's so TOS. Yep. So ridiculously TOS. It's very funny. In fact, I think it was probably one of the early TOS episodes I saw that scared the shit out of me. (laughs) So we had Dr. Corby. Uh, He gets a nice little mention. And we obviously some foreshadowing is, and like, what's happening with Chapel and Spock? Are they going to have, are they going to be long distance while she does this thing? I don't know. We don't know. But they are my favorite couple ship. I love them. Space traveling and keeping time. Chapel jokes that in space, does anyone ever get there when they say they will? Um, Hello. Hello. This slightly lampshades the idea that warp drive is inherently a type of time travel. Mm. 
In the first two episodes, in the first US episode, the cage Pike refers to warp factors as time warp factors, and in the same episode, Tyler says that the time barrier has been broken by Starfleet technology, and this nomenclature was dropped after the cage, but essentially the concept remained the same. Ha! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mariners at the Apelian Mariners Keystone, we get a nice little view of that. The Gorn behavior. Now, Laan notices, and perhaps this is some foreshadowing. Laan notices that the Gorn aren't behaving the way they should be, saying they should be fighting for dominance not working together, referencing both Memento Mori and all those who wander, in which we learn about how Laan escaped the Gorn and lost her brother. And Pike suggests perhaps there's something about the Gorn we've yet to discover, so maybe his optimism could be read as foreshadowing the events of Arena in TOS, in which Kirk refuses to kill a Gorn and makes peace. So we shall see. We shall see. Maybe they're evolving. Who knows? Martin Quinn. Montgomery Scott, the first Scottish actor to play Montgomery Scott in the history of Star Trek. Hello! I love it. Anyways, he reveals that he's a survivor from the Star Diver, Martin Quinn. He's fabulous. This is the earliest version we've ever seen of Scotty in the Prime timeline. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, Simon Pegg's Scotty in the alternative Kelvin timeline he appears to become part of the Enterprise crew by accident, very similarly. And this is the second time Strange New World has depicted meetings between classic characters with parallels to the 2009 reboot series, movie, the movie reboot series. And when Kirk and Uhura met in Lost in Translation, they met at a bar just like the 2009 movie. And as for Scotty, we know he'll become the chief engineer of the Enterprise sometime before 2265, but at the end of the episode, current chief engineer Pelia is very familiar with him, and and she becomes the first person to call him Scotty. Double red alert. That was fun. Number one says they can't make this alert, this red alert, any redder. And yet, in the conscience of ki- of the king in TOS, Kirk did call for a double red alert. Yeah, <laughs> that's just an absurd thing that happened in that episode. You can't have a double a double red. Come on, Kirk. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> The Spock walk, Spock's spacewalk at the end of the episode evokes aspects of his spacewalk in the motion picture. But when he and Chabble fight the Gorn in Zero Gravity, Spock uses a move from the animated series. Mm. When Spock propels himself to fight the Gorn, it's very similar to what he does in Zero Gravity in the episode The Jihad. In that episode, it was established that Spock and Kirk had fight practice in null gravity all the time. Yes. And clearly, Spock's null gravity fight training started before he became BFFs with Captain Kirk. I knew that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember that episode, but I remember the them mentioning that they fight train in Zero G. Yeah. Wild. Wild. To be continued. Although Lower Decks has dropped a few season-ending cliffhangers, this is the first time any of the new live-action Star Trek shows have put the words to be continued on the screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. The first Star Trek to be continued ever was The Menagerie, which, of course, is where most of Captain Pike's backstory comes from. But the most famous to be continued in Trek history is easily the best of both worlds in Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And in crafting the cliffhanger for Hegemony, showrunners Akiva Goldsman and Henry Alonzo Myers have revealed they were directly referencing the best of both worlds. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, and as of now, season three is st- certainly planned, but nothing has been filmed yet. And obviously the writer's strike is continuing. So we shall just have to fucking wait. We shall just have to fucking wait, won't we? There we go. Well, anyway, that's it here from the uh, set of Star Trek 
strange new worlds. The final episode had Gemini and it is back to you in the studio. Thank you very much. And now for the hegemony of quotes, let's go to quotable moments. Quotable moments. I have a couple here. I really love Angry Pike talking super fast. And when he's talking to Admiral Gorn, Admiral April, Admiral Gorn. Bob. <laughs> and Admiral April says, yeah, I think it's safe to say that we don't understand the Gorn. And then Pike says, I've seen them up close and personal. They're not hard to understand, Bob. They're monsters. It's very film noir, very 50s. <laughs> I mean, you could could slap that line somewhere in Ghostbusters. Exactly. I've seen them up close and personal, and they're not hard to understand. Bob, they're monsters. Monsters, I tell you. Let's see. And I very much enjoyed Montgomery getting introduced to everybody by Pike. This is Lieutenant Noonien Singh, Dr. Mbanga, Lieutenant Orgus, and Lieutenant Kirk. And he says, that's a lot of lieutenants. Yes, he does. Lieutenants. 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 He's Scottish, all right. He sure is. <laughs> I had a couple. I shall drop one in Uhura. Old zombie movie trick in Spock's zombie movie. Una. Yeah, dress up like you're dead so the zombies don't notice you. You've never seen one? A zombie movie? No. A movie, yes, but I will add some to my research. Oof, Spock. You Spock. weirdo. You lovely weirdo. He did get a, a good classic line, though. Yes. All things seem trivial in the face of death. It's mm. almost Picardian. Yes, that was a very good delivered moment. That whole moment. The Scotty saying, when an armada of human-eating lizards come my way, I can get quite creative. And let's see. Oh, I loved Uhura and Pelia. And Uhura's like, I, I, I have a crazy idea. And then Pelia says, yeah, don't sugarcoat it. I love a crazy idea. Yes, that was very good. I feel like some of the engineers, like with Jet and everyone, they just get some mm -hmm. of the best lines and they get to be super quirky. Because they're always so busy. Yeah. (laughs) Out with it. I'm working here. I'm working here. Out with it. You wee animal. Do you remember in the Montgomery Scott and the the reboot? His little helper. His little helper. I love that. Yeah. That was a very strange but wonderful addition. You wee green man, you. Yeah. Come on. His little teddy bear assistant helper friend. And then finally, Pike saying to Battelle, if you didn't want me showing up unexpectedly, you shouldn't have hung up on me. So there. Beautiful. <sighs> Almost a little kissy, 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 kissy Almost moment. A li- <laughs> I knew you were going to work that drop in. So yes! <laughs> I don't think we got the full part of it. Let's try it again. Kissy, kissy. Yeah. Yes, they they almost kissy, kissy. Well, they had kids. Don't, I can't believe you're making me litigate this. Let's go on to next time, I guess. Oh, our final next time. Next time on Set Phasers. Well, next time on Set Phasers, Lower Decks begins September 7th. So actually, we only have a couple weeks. But that's I, it. I'm going yeah. on vacation, and, and fuck, I don't know you. We haven't figured that yeah. out yet. What's your deal? How dare you go on vacation? So sorry. It's not actually. It's yeah. it's, it's a honeymoon. How dare you? How, How double dare, dare you? How dare I? Double red alert. Very yeah, we'll have to figure it out. But yes, we shall figure it yeah. out, and we shall yeah. bring content to you, dear listeners. 
you shall have content. But if you liked this content, you can check out much more content like it, as we have covered all the episodes up to date of Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Strange New World, Star Trek Picard, and Star Trek Lower Decks. All of the Paramount Plus, nay, Discovery Plus episodes. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts at. And please, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you could, you could rate us, man. You could give us a little, just a little review. You know what I mean? Yes, we would love that. But hashtag tits. Hashtag tits McGee. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I hope that doesn't take off, but I also hope it does take off. I don't know. Love that callback. Good, good job. Oh boy. I'll never forget it. Well, that is it from us. I am Stevie Mans. And I am sometimes a monster is just a monster. That doesn't really work. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer? End program. Mm-hmm.